Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello and welcome to episode number 212 of the Draft Analyst, presented by the Believe Sports Podcast Network. Do you believe? This is Chris Tripodi, and I'm joined by Tony Pauline, as always. We are back on the air after a couple weeks off for vacations and the Thanksgiving holiday, and really not a moment too soon. This conference championship games are taking place this weekend. We're going to have previews of most of those on today's show. But in other news around college football, Lincoln Riley, a goner from Oklahoma, bolting for USC, whether that's a lack of belief in Caleb Williams, a desire not to wind up in the SEC, or something else entirely, maybe the weather. Uh, who really knows, but he'll head west to California next season. And also, since the last time we recorded, Cincinnati now in the top four of the college football playoff rankings and just needs to beat Houston this weekend to likely secure its spot in the playoffs. Tony, how are things going on your end? Well, not as hectic as we've seen in college football with some bizarre coaching decisions, and bizarre coaching moves as far as I'm concerned, as well as, you know, movement in the top uh, top four in the playoffs. I mean, Michigan finally beats Ohio State, all they have to do is beat Iowa this week, and they will secure their spot in the college football playoffs. I, I'm, I have a good feeling they will, although I didn't think they were going to beat Ohio State. I mean, you, you mentioned Lincoln Riley going to uh, USC. Uh, Brian Kelly, too. He was a new coach. And, and, you know, Cincinnati's coach is probably headed to Notre Dame, which uh, probably should have happened a long time ago. Uh, but a lot of upheaval. Uh, and, and a lot of the games this weekend obviously have bearing on what the uh, final four is going to look like in college football. Yeah, lots to certainly still be decided, and we're going to get to all of that in just a minute. But first, a word from our sponsor. We're back and better than ever with a new web interface for the rest of the NBA and football seasons and more props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. Head to the new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE50, that's B-L-E-A-V-50, to receive your bonus. Speaking of the college football playoffs, Georgia, currently the odds-on favorite to win the title, followed not very closely at all by Alabama and Michigan, and Cincinnati comes in a bit lower than that pair. I mean, really a huge separation created by Georgia and, and it's historically good defense. And if Georgia beats Alabama this weekend, you can't expect Alabama to stay in the top four. So I think that's a, a real good bet if you go over to a bet online. Be interesting to see who slides into that four slot. Is it Oklahoma State? Is it Notre Dame, the coachless Notre Dame? Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. And you're home to bet on the college football playoff. Bet online where the game starts. 
Now, the first conference title game we'll take a look at is the first one played Friday night's opener between University of Texas at San Antonio and Western Kentucky to see who will be crowned champion of Conference USA. As far as NFL draft intrigue, though, much of it resides in each team's front seven. And really, the main player of interest, Hilltoppers defensive end D'Angelo Malone. Now, Malone is a guy we've been discussing on this show for a little over two years now. He's certainly not going to play defensive end in the NFL. He's got the size of more of an off-ball linebacker, but he's athletic and fast. He can play in space. He's also got 32 and a half career sacks. So very talented all-around player. Honestly, many thought that he was going to enter the 2021 draft, but he returned this year. He'll also be in Mobile for the Senior Bowl next month, as will quarterback Bailey Zappi. 52 touchdown passes, almost 5,000 yards after his transfer from Houston Baptist. Certainly in the conversation as a late-round pick. For UTSA, not really as much draft intrigue. Defensive tackle Brandon Matterson, three technique who wasn't quite as productive in 2021 as he was in 2020, likely leaves him as a UDFA. Same goes for Clarence Hicks, despite stepping up this season, 31 tackles, 14 for loss, and eight sacks. Problem with Hicks, he's small and he's slow, which, as we discuss ad nauseum on the show, usually makes a draft selection pretty unlikely. UTSA does have two senior bowl invites as well in defensive back Tariq Wooten and offensive lineman Spencer Burford. Tony, who are you watching closely in this one? Obviously, it's got to be Spencer Burford against uh, D'Angelo Malone. I mean, a year ago, we highlighted D'Angelo Malone against Josh Ball uh, of Marshall. And uh, it was a pretty good battle, though Ball, I think, came away the winner. As you mentioned, Malone's not going to play defensive end in the NFL. He's more of a, I mean, he's built more like a conventional 4-3 strong side linebacker. If you want to use him as a pass rusher, maybe he's a 3-4 outside guy. Very athletic, very explosive, a nimble guy, goes very, very hard. I mean, very resilient. And Spencer Buford of uh, UTSA has absolutely uh, improved his game this season. So that's going to be a good matchup uh, on the field. Don't know how it translates uh, to the next level because, you know, D'Angelo Malone's going to be standing up for the most time and oftentimes playing in space in the NFL. Interested to see Bailey Zappi. Uh, I remember him at Houston Baptist when he was throwing up uh, tons and tons of yardage uh, week after week. He continued that, uh, obviously, this year at Western Kentucky. We'll see what happens at the senior ball because it's going to be a different uh, ball of wax altogether. The senior ball is going to be playing more consistently with the tight end. It's not going to have everything spread out. It's going to be asked to make NFL passes. But the fact that Bailey Zapp, who a year ago was playing for Houston Baptist, then transferred to Western Kentucky, is now in the senior bowl, that shows that the arrow was pointing north for him. And moving on to Saturday's games, a noon kickoff for the Big 12 title, Baylor and Oklahoma State, two teams that we recently discussed when Baylor receiver Tyquan Thornton dominated TCU. And Oklahoma State's Malcolm Rodriguez and Colby Harvell Peel were tested against Iowa State running backs and tight ends. And for Baylor, they have a running back of their own. Abram Smith also headed to Mobile after moving back to running back this season from linebacker. Went for 1,366 yards on the ground and 12 touchdowns. Stopping Smith going to be another test for both Rodriguez and Harvell Peel, as will covering Thompson, who, I mean, Tyquan Thompson, he's big, shows the ability to separate. He can get downfield. He attacks the ball in the air. You know, showed a lot last time we watched him, potential late-round prospect. Rodriguez also might see some of Baylor guard Xavier Newman-Johnson, a versatile interior offensive lineman who moves well, can climb up to the second level. So that'll be a matchup to watch. On the other side of the ball, Shrine Bowl invite wide receiver Tay Martin of Oklahoma State 
a bounce back 2021 season after a pretty poor 2020. He's going to see a lot of another Shrine invite quarterback, Kalen Barnes, some other top Bears defenders to watch, star Jalen Petrie and linebacker Terrell Bernard, both explosive players who will also be in Mobile for the Senior Bowl. Lots to watch in this game, Tony. What intrigues you most? What intrigues me is, you know, Oklahoma State that was usually known as a, a offensive-minded football team that threw up all kinds of offensive numbers, going back to what I said about uh, Belly Zapp of uh, Western Kentucky. You know, they, they focus more on defense this year, and guess what? They finally had a, a real breakthrough uh, campaign for them. Uh, the guy I want to watch is, again, especially against that Oklahoma State defense, is Xavier Newman-Johnson, the sometimes guard, sometimes center for uh, Baylor. I mean, he is the prototypical dancing bear. He's short and he's got a wide body, but he's an explosive blocker who's nimble on his feet. He gets out to the second level. Very, very effective. You know, uh, they've got some good receivers that we've talked about in the past on the show that you mentioned. Tyquan Thornton, RJ Sneed, Josh Fleeks, guys who are going to be going up against a very solid uh, secondary that the uh, Oklahoma State Cowboys will put on the field. Malcolm Rodriguez has had a real good year. The problem with Malcolm Rodriguez is he's a safety-sized linebacker. Where are you going to use him at the next level? If you play a one-gap system, a 3-4 alignment, you just want to let him run to the ball, I think Malcolm Rodriguez will flourish in that type of system. Otherwise, he may be just a strong safety. Bottom line is he's a real good football player. Now moving to the MAC, another noon start between Kent State and Northern Illinois. Top prospect for the Golden Flashes, quarterback Dustin Crum. Not necessarily a draftable prospect, but does have 26 total touchdowns on the season, 15 of those coming with his legs, just four interceptions. Does a good job keeping the offense on schedule, but he's a game manager type. He's not going to make explosive plays down the field or out to the flanks. For you and I, Marquez Cox is a player to watch at left tackle. Good size and athletic ability, but he's just a redshirt sophomore, so probably more of a 2023 or even 2024 draft prospect. The top prospect for 2022's draft for Northern Illinois, Shrine Bowl invite running back Clint Ratkovich, 13 touchdowns this year, 11 on the ground. He's a big back, can contribute a bit as a receiver too, kind of a tweener between the running back and fullback. Tony, what do you make of this matchup? Yeah, Ratkovich, uh, Western Illinois transfer, who took advantage of that extra senior season, transferred to uh, Northern Illinois, really stepped up with the step up in competition guy who catches the ball well on the backfield, really a, a triple threat type of fullback, like him a lot. You know, you mentioned Marquis Cox as a quote-unquote redshirt sophomore. He's really a redshirt junior. They list him as a redshirt sophomore because some, uh, some schools basically didn't advance guys from last year. They're, they're factoring in that extra year that the NC2A gave them. Marquis Cox is a guy that I wrote, as a, wrote about as a riser a couple of weeks ago at Pro Football Network. He's a nimble uh, left tackle. He's got good footwork. He's got to get a little bit stronger, but he's got a, a good amount of upside. Rocky Lombardi, I mean, the former uh, Michigan State uh, quarterback, uh, has had a real good year at Northern Illinois, helped that team get off the snide. Dustin Crum, it, it's kind of ironic because a year ago, after his outstanding uh, 2020 campaign, people were talking about Dustin Crum entering the draft, maybe being a day two pick. But the tape doesn't match the numbers because if you watch Kent State play, Dustin Crum is a real leader at quarterback, but it's a lot of screen passes. There's a lot of receiver screens, three or four-yard dump-offs, and let the receiver do the work when the ball's in his hands. Yes, he throws the ball down the field on occasion, 
And yes, he's been a very, uh, very productive uh, college quarterback. Just, just, just does not project all that well to the NFL. Our next matchup starts at 3 p.m. to decide the Mountain West champion between Utah State and San Diego State. For the Aggies, keep an eye on left tackle Alfred Edwards, a mountain of a man protecting Logan Bonner's blind side. Probably not going to stick on the left side in the NFL, though. Doesn't quite have the athletic ability to do so, but he is powerful enough to fit in at right tackle. And he's going to be tested in this one against San Diego State edge rusher Cameron Thomas. Thomas leads college football with 72 pressures, also 20 tackles for loss, 10 and a half sacks, real breakout year for Thomas coming out of, I don't say nowhere, but definitely nobody expected him to be a potential high draft pick entering the season. And he really could punctuate this year with a big game this weekend. Elsewhere for SDSU, three potential late rounders, running back Greg Bell, productive but smaller running back who really hasn't shown much as a receiver, which always makes smaller backs tough NFL draft cells. We saw it last year with a guy like Javian Hawkins out of Louisville. Daniel Bellinger is an interesting tight end prospect. 29 catches, 344 yards, and two touchdowns this season. He's got traditional inline size. He's a good blocker, also a reliable receiver, as well projects as next level depth. And left tackle Zach Thomas, not the biggest or strongest blocker, but he's a solid athlete who moves well. So really mostly offensive prospects in this game. Tony, break them down for us. Yeah, and a lot of scouts really like Bellinger. His draft grades are all over the board. Some scouts have him as a day three pick like I do. There are some scouts that think he can go middle rounds, even third round. Not the fastest guy, but a real three down tight end that you can use in short yardage situations as a blocker or as a pass catcher. You know, Utah State's got some decent guys in that back seven. Shaq Bond, who was a priority free agent, has been a very productive player the past three years. Justin Rice, who was good at Fresno State, then transferred to Arkansas State last year, had a solid year transfers back to Utah State this year for his super senior season as a real good uh, campaign. He's a guy to keep an eye on in that matchup against Bellinger. I think Bellinger's got an athletic and size uh, advantage over Rice, but Rice is a smart, tough, instinctive player. I do like Alfred Edwards a lot. I like him as a uh, free agent, obviously. I think he can be an, in, a, an invaluable, inexpensive backup a utility lineman at the next level who can play right tackle, play right guard, Basically a guy who, you know, can make a, uh, make a roster as an eighth or ninth offensive lineman. Now, four more previews to go. But first, a word from our new friends over at Lightbox. Say goodbye to dull gifts. Lightbox lab-grown diamonds are the brightest gift of the year. Using cutting-edge technology and innovative technique, they've cracked the science of sparkle, getting the highest quality lab-grown diamonds you can find for a light price, $800 per carat. They have the same chemical makeup of natural diamonds, but just are grown in a lab. Because of their process, they can create stones in blush pink and beautiful blue, as well as classic white. White box lab-grown diamonds are the gift they'll never want to take off and price so they don't have to. They really do make any outfit sparkle. Visit lightboxjewelry.com to add sparkle to your holiday shopping. That's lightboxjewelry.com. Lightbox diamonds, never a dull moment. And I wish they were around when I bought my wife's her engagement ring. I probably would have saved about $11,000. Now the big game Saturday, another late afternoon start at 4 p.m. Georgia and Alabama to decide the SEC title and 
obviously a game that's really going to shake up the college football playoff rankings. Can't really imagine a two-loss Alabama team getting in unless there's just absolute carnage otherwise. But, I mean, even then, you know, one of Baylor or Oklahoma State will probably make it. Notre Dame would get in. So, I, I mean, Alabama needs this game, and they're certainly underdogs going in, and, and rightfully so, um, simply because that Georgia defense is outstanding, as we've talked about since before the season. Defensive tackle Jordan Davis, the headliner, entered the season as a day two pick. Now he's looking like a day one guy, a massive defensive tackle, but really good movement skills. Uh, he's got a good motor too, uh, the full package. I mean, he's not an elite pass rusher, but he's about as good as you're going to get, you know, as a bigger nose type of defensive tackle. Uh, his teammate, Devontae Wyatt, also a talented prospect in his own right. Guy who's probably in the second day discussion. It's more of a three technique, doesn't have the same size as Davis, but maybe a little bit more burst off the ball. Now that duo probably isn't going to see much of Alabama left tackle Evan Neal, but Neal's a freak athlete and he's not going to have to deal with Adam Anderson off the edge because of all of Anderson's issues. That would have been a great battle between potential first round picks, but we still get to see Neal on some snaps against Trayvon Walker, another long athletic edge rusher who really has his own argument to go in the first round. We're also going to get to see John Mechie, the third and Jamison Williams, two receivers who are set to be top 50 picks against Georgia cornerback Darion Kendrick, and they have an odds-on favorite for the Heisman Trophy, Bryce Young, throwing them the football. A lot of talent. I mean, then you look at the Georgia linebackers, Quay Walker and N'Kobe Dean. They're going to get to chase around Alabama running back Brian Robinson, guy who's really stepped up with Najee Harris gone. They just churned through running backs at the Tide. Uh, and they're also going to have to try to cover tight end Jaleel Billingsley, especially in the red zone where Alabama kind of likes to feature him. So really, I mean, I just listed off uh, I don't know, probably the entire offense and defense here. Just a lot to watch when Alabama has the ball, Tony. What do you think? Well, I think what's probably going on in Georgia all week is they've been reminded, although it wasn't this team, uh, of their late uh, second-half collapses against Alabama in the past in the SEC title game a few years ago where Jalen Hurts came in off the bench uh, to replace Tua Tagliavoa, and Georgia gave up a lead. In, and then the national championship game a few years before that. So you know that uh, Georgia is, is you know, ready to go. And, and this is an NFL-type defense, especially that front defensive seven. I mean, these guys, you, you mentioned Jordan Davis. Devontae Wyatt is outstanding. I mean, they got Sequay Walker, the linebacker, another guy. Nolan Smith, another guy. You mentioned N'Kobe Dean. Uh, this is a, a big time defense. As far as the matchups are concerned, you know, you mentioned Billingsley, the tight end from Alabama, who looks like he's going to be the next top prospect at that position from the Alabama program, uh, going against those, uh, those uh, linebackers from Georgia that I just mentioned, Dean Walker and Smith. I also think you've got to look at, you know, if Bryce Young, who has been sensational this year, if he's able to have time to throw the ball to Jamison Williams and John Mechie, how does the uh, Georgia secondary hold up? Darian Kendrick, the former uh, Clemson uh, transfer, has been up and down. Lewis Seen, the uh, junior free safety who's going to enter the draft, has shown flashes. Christopher Smith, uh, the other uh, safety, has uh, stepped up his game this year. Uh, and, and then you've got the, uh, you know, the uh, Alabama defense against the Georgia offense, which I think with the Georgia offense – it's a situation where they just don't want to lose the games. They don't need to win the games because their defense is so outstanding. There's a lot of NFL talent on this field. There's not a lot of great matchups, uh, but I think uh, I really think the Georgia Bulldogs are going to be out for blood and really finish off what they haven't been able to finish in the past. 
Yeah. I mean, you briefly mentioned the Georgia offense and the Alabama defense. And you know, as you mentioned, there's not really quite as much intrigue there. Again, this Georgia offense is more or less just trying not to ruin the game for their defense, which is, it's a wild calculus for, for modern football, which is just so offense heavy, you know, college NFL, whatever level you're talking about to, you know, have a defense that controls everything about the game just, just goes to say, you know, everything that, you know, we've talked about this Georgia defense and everybody else too, we're certainly not the only ones, but you know, you do have some players on the Georgia offense and the Alabama defense to watch. I mean, left tackle Jamari Salier is a guy who should see plenty of Alabama's Fidarian Mathis, who we discussed recently on the show when he had a big game against LSU. Georgia got wide receiver George Pickens back last week against Georgia Tech less than nine months after tearing his ACL. That's just an insane recovery right there. Obviously, he was limited in that game, but if he can play more this week, I mean, it'd be a pretty interesting matchup to watch between him and Josh Job. I mean, both guys have good size and physicality. And even if we only get 20 snaps of it, it uh, could be pretty interesting. Running backs Zamir White and James Cook form a nice one-two punch for the Bulldogs. Cook's the smaller, more explosive back. White's more the you know, hard-charging between-the-tackles runner. And really, Christian Harris, the linebacker for Alabama, we're going to watch him in that matchup, see his ability to defend their contrasting skill sets against the run, in coverage, and even on the blitz. Tony, do any of those matchups intriguing more than some of the ones on the more stack sides of the ball. Well, I, I've always liked Christian Harris. I mean, he was a guy who, when we spoke about him over the summer, I thought he could be a first round pick. Now he's been up and down this year. You know, his, his ability to pursue uh, against the Georgia running game will be something to watch. How he stacks against the run will be something to watch. Georgia doesn't have a real threat at tight end, which is unusual because that's what they usually, they've always had that. They've always put tight ends into the NFL draft. Sailor uh, at left tackle is an interesting guy. He's a good lineman. I think he projects the guard in the NFL. I think he's a day three pick. You know, I'm going to make a comparison here. A few years ago, people were, I think, shocked when Cleveland Farrell, Christian uh, Wilkins, and Dexter Lawrence went back for another year uh, with the Clemson Tigers, another year of college football, rather than entering the draft when all would have been first-round picks. Uh, they went back. They won a national championship and they were proven right. And then they were first round picks the following year. Well, you know what? Everyone was surprised that Jordan Davis passed up the 2021 draft. Everyone was surprised that Devontae Wyatt decided to go back for another senior season. And guess what? Looks like it's going to work out for these guys because they are unstoppable. Now kicking off at the same time as the SEC championship, similar playoff uh, implications in this game. Probably a lot fewer people are going to be watching it, though, barring those, you know, obviously with two TVs, Cincinnati and Houston in the AAC title game. Most of the top prospects certainly are on the Cincinnati side here. The best matchup in this one does come when the Bearcats have the ball. I mean, the connection between quarterback Desmond Ritter and wide receiver Alec Pierce is very real. We're going to see both of those guys in Mobile. 2021 was a breakout season for Alec Pierce. 48 catches, 802 yards and seven touchdowns. He's got great size. He's an excellent red zone threat and, you know, catching passes from Ritter, who is a somewhat polarizing quarterback. He's not going to go round one, but probably a day two type of guy, uh, good size, arm and mobility. He lacks the elite accuracy and, and really that ability to keep the offense on schedule completely with his arm has taken a step forward this season, though. Houston quarterbacks, Damarian Williams and Marcus Jones, the latter of whom did get invited to the senior bowl. Both of these guys give up a lot of size to Pierce, like a half foot worth of size. So we're going to have to see how those two compete against Pierce and which looks like a 
definite mismatch in terms of size and ability. Defensive tackle Logan Hall on the interior for Houston, going to try to pressure Ritter, 43 tackles, 12 for loss and five sacks in a breakout 2021 season. Tony, I know he's a guy that you liked leading into the campaign. He's got great height, length, and athleticism. When we flip to the other side of the ball, keep an eye on Cincy defensive end, Najai Sanders. Hasn't put up the sack totals this year to match his 2020 season or even his 2019 season, but he's an excellent athlete who only lacks size. He's not going to play with his hand in the dirt at the NFL level, kind of like D'Angelo Malone, who we discussed earlier. There's some other guys to watch too, linebacker Darian Beavers, defensive backs Brian Cook and Kobe Bryant. All three of those guys will be at the Senior Bowl as well. Yeah, you know, as you mentioned, you know, the majority of the NFL talent resides on the Cincinnati depth chart. You start off with Ahmad Gardner, who I think is probably the second or third best cornerback in this year's draft, late first round pick. My Jay Sanders, uh, the pass rusher who lines up at defensive ends, probably more suit, better suited for, as a 3-4 outside linebacker in the NFL. Kobe Bryant, uh, the other cornerback who you know, does not get the headlines of Lamar Gardner, but he's darn good. They've got two terrific safeties in Brian Cook and Javon Hicks. Clayton Thune, the quarterback for Houston, I don't think he gets the recognition that he deserves. You know, he's sort of a gunslinger, sort of got a kind of a funky release, uh, but he gets the job done. And he's not, a, you know, I don't know that he's going to be a draft pick, but I think he's absolutely somebody that's going to uh, be invited to a camp and will compete for that third quarterback spot. They've got some good receivers there. I, I think the interesting thing is, the strength of the uh, Cincinnati Bearcats are the are the from the NFL prospects is obviously uh, their defense and I don't and the Houston offensive line is very average and the strength of the Houston uh, Cougars is their defensive front seven and I think if there is a weakness on that Cincinnati Bearcat team it is their offensive line so you know as you said Cincinnati trying to uh, pressure uh, Desmond Ritter with either Logan Hall or David a nine who is a super senior, who is a undersized defensive end, very quick, going to be a 3-4 outside linebacker at the next level. Um, Houston had a much better season than I think anybody thought. After last year with Dana Holgerson, I think people were wondering what the heck was going on. 11-1 this year, ain't known the conference. Real good campaign. I think uh, they'll be hard-pressed to really keep it within two touchdowns of Cincinnati as Cincinnati makes their way into the college football players, as they should. And then I think a year from now, we'll be watching Luke Fickle as the head coach of Notre Dame. Uh, and it's about time that Luke Fickle gets a big-time job because I've said year after year, he's the most underrated football coach in all of America. Now on to the nightcaps here for our final two previews, starting in the Big Ten with Michigan and Iowa. Must-win game for Michigan. Seems pretty unlikely that they're going to stick in the top four of the playoff rankings with a loss get jumped probably by Notre Dame at the very least, uh, you know, and you know, depending on what happens in the big 12 championship game, even if the tide lose Alabama might stay ahead of them. All that said, they're going to need Aiden Hutchinson to really be a game wrecker. And he has been two of the past three weeks Hit three sacks against Penn state three weeks ago, get another three sacks against Ohio state last weekend and just a dominant performance. I mean, he's absolutely playing his way into the top part, of April's draft. We broke him down a few weeks ago after he had it, you know, another outstanding game. I mean, that's just been, he's just been a very consistent force all season. The production's there. The athletic ability is there. He's not going to have the pleasure of facing Iowa center, Tyler Linderbaum though. 
who's a highly rated prospect at the pivot, nor will David Ajobu on the other side off the edge. But tight end Sam Laporta, he's a guy who might be asked to help out a bit against that duo of pass rushers, you know, at the very least with some chips before he gets into his routes, because Laporta is this team's leading receiver. Uh, he is their best playmaker on offense. So they need him running routes. They can't afford to keep him in to block too often. He provides a reliable option in the short and intermediate fields who can also split the seam a little bit if the Hawkeyes offensive line can actually give Spencer Petras some time to throw. For Michigan, though, some of those coverage responsibilities on Laporta are going to fall to strong safety Brad Hawkins, 49 tackles, four pass breakups, two forced fumbles on the season. Both players, potential second-day picks, probably the top prospect matchup in this game. But, Tony, I'm curious not only on that matchup, but also your thoughts on Linderbaum because I know entering the season, you weren't quite as high on him as a lot of people. Has his play this year done anything to change that for you? I, I think it's better, but, you know, as Chris and I mentioned, we're here in New York and you see Jeff fans and they're dying to take Linderbaum uh, with one of their uh, first round picks. And right now they've got what two picks in the top eight. I just don't think he's a top eight type of player. Uh, he's obviously the best center and it really falls off the cliff after uh, Linderbaum, your next center is probably Forsyth of Oregon, who's uh, a, a fourth rounder right now. Uh you know, I, I like him. I don't abs- I don't love him. I just don't think he's a top eight type of uh, lineman. Maybe that'll change. We Everyone talks about the edge guys at Michigan. They forget about Christopher Hinton, the inside guy who is an explosive, quick type of guy. That is going to be a real good matchup to keep an eye on because Hinton has got a great first step. He can give Linderbaum fits. But Linderbaum, once he gets his hands on it, on Hinton, I mean, it'll be game over. Uh, you know, you mentioned the uh, Laporta, who I had graded as a second rounder coming into the year. I thought he would have been a little bit better this year, but I think that is more due to the fact that, you know, after a, a great start to the season, Iowa kind of fell flat and they really weren't able to keep pace, uh, which I think hurt Laporta. Uh, I, I mean, this is a this is a mismatch. There's no way Michigan should lose this game. Uh, I think uh, one guy on. Iowa to keep an eye on. Everyone talks about Linderbaum is their linebacker slash safety. They call it the cash position. Dane Belton, someone we spoke about over the uh, summer. I'm told he's going to enter the draft. He is an explosive guy who flies around the field, uh, you know, could give uh, Michigan and uh, that underneath passing game could give him fits. He's going to be a guy who's relied upon to uh, stop Hassan Haskins who ran wild over uh, Ohio State last week and is a guy who he's not very fast, he's not very quick, but he's tough and he's super smart. Does a great job seeing the field, does a great job using his blocks, and someone who I think is going to be a midday three selection. Now the other night game has Pitt facing Wake in the ACC title game. Probably the best quarterback matchup we'll see this weekend with rising Pitt quarterback Kenny Pickett facing Wake signal caller Sam Hartman. Pickett at late round grades entering the season in his first 39 career games, he threw 39 touchdown passes this year, 40 touchdown passes in 12 games, just a massive breakout season, completing more passes than ever before throwing deeper downfield than he did. I mean, Pickett was a guy early in his career. I'm talking three years ago. I, I liked him. I thought he was a pretty good player, Thought he had some potential, but never really progressed until this season where obviously he has taken a massive step forward. Still doesn't have the big arm, or the athletic ability that the NFL likes to see in quarterbacks. But 
I mean, neither did Mac Jones last year. So really anything possible here with Pickett. Hartman had a breakout of his own this year, 34 touchdowns in 12 games. He's got more athleticism than Pickett. Doesn't quite have the size. Although again, the league has really prioritized the athletic ability under center over size in recent years. Besides these quarterbacks though, not a ton to talk about. Pitt left tackle Carter Warren and left guard Marcus Miner do a nice job protecting Pickett's blind side. Really hard to overlook the impact that a couple potential pros blocking for your backside has on a QB, especially one who isn't particularly mobile like Pickett. Miner's a guy who can block in motion. He gets to the second level. Warren is a solid athlete in his own right, but really size is Warren's calling card. Pitt defensive back Damari Mathis is a guy who earned a senior bowl invite after a solid 2020 campaign. So keep an eye on him when Pitt's on defense against Sam Hartman. But again, this is the game really to watch for the quarterback play, which, I mean, hey, that's good enough reason to watch any football game. I mean, I guess, uh, you know, it's it'll be a fun game to watch, but it's not a game that I think scouts are going to uh, really zoom in on as opposed to, say, Georgia, Alabama, or, or even uh, Michigan and, and, and Iowa. I mean, we talked about Hartman in the summer. Hartman is a guy who I really like. He took his game to the next level. If you don't want to wa- watch a matchup, you know, it's his receiver, Jaquari uh, Roberson, who's had a good year against Damari Mathis, who you just mentioned. Zach Tom, who protects the blind side of Sam Hartman, has had a real good year uh, at left tackle, but he, he's going to be kicked inside, probably the center at the next level. Uh, they've got Miles Fox, a former uh, Charleston Southern transfer who's played good uh, for uh, Wake Forest the past two seasons. Kenny Pickett, I, I mean, yeah, I expect Kenny Pickett to throw big numbers. And I expect what's going to happen with Kenny Pickett is people are going to watch him have a big game on Saturday and they're going to say he's a top five pick. That's a bunch of hogwash. Uh, you know, Kenny Pickett, as I reported last week at Pro Football Network, people in the league, their uh, opinion on Kenny Pickett runs parallel to mine. He could be a first round pick, but he's got a third round grade. He's going to be overdrafted because he's a quarterback. He's smart. He's tough. He deserves a lot of credit for having an outstanding senior season, but he doesn't have a big arm. He's got small hands. He's more of a game manager for the next level. The only way I think Kenny Pickett uh, really established himself as a uh, first round pick is not here in the ACC title game, but it's what happens that first week of February in Mobile, Alabama, if he's at senior bowl practices, which he should be, if he's able to make those NFL passes, the outs down the field with speed, uh, the deep throws with speed, then he establishes himself as a first round pick. If he shows the leadership that Mac Jones showed a a year ago, because that's really where Mac Jones went from a fringe first round pick or early second round pick to, wow, when you watch him at senior bowl practices, this guy really had it. And you absolutely came away from Mobile thinking this guy's worth the mid first round pick. Kenny Pickett will have that same opportunity. It'll be a fun game to watch, but I think the final draft rate for Pickett uh, will be determined during senior bowl practices. Yeah, I mean, you took that thought right out of my mouth because I, I made the Mac Jones comparison in terms of you know, basic skills. But yeah, the reality is like Mac Jones at the senior bowl showed the intangibles. He showed the leadership. You know, he showed the fact that, you know, this is a guy that you want commanding an NFL huddle, a guy that, you know, can come in and do it right away. And I mean, he's done that. He's been hands down the best rookie quarterback in the league this season. And, and nobody expected that coming in, uh, you know, when you had guys like Trevor Lawrence and, and Justin Fields at the top of the draft, even Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy what Mac Jones has done. That Patriots team is one of the hottest teams in football right now. And, you know, again, it's he went to the senior bowl. 
And, you know, he showed that, you know, I am a guy that you want leading your offense at the NFL level, even though, yeah, I don't have the best physical traits in the world, but you know what? It doesn't matter because I have everything else you could want. And yeah, that's what Kenny Pickett's going to have to show at the senior bowl. I mean, listen, he's shown a lot of it on the field so far this year, but you know, the senior bowl is a, a different animal. And as you say all the time, Tony, it's a kingmaker at the quarterback position. And, you know, it's a situation where if, if Kenny Pickett wants to be King, he's going to really have to not only go to mobile and show up there. Cause there's no, no accepted invite just yet. Uh, he's going to have to, he's going to have to go there and he's going to have to impress on a Mac Jones type of level. Um, obviously it's a weaker quarterback class. So, it, you know, he could maybe even get pushed up even higher than Mac Jones, but he's going to have to show a lot of those same things that Mac Jones showed last year to really, as you said, kind of cement his place in round one. Listen, interview after interview that I did in the latter part of senior bowl week last year. And even when I got back from the senior bowl and then lead up to the draft, I said the same thing. I said, going into senior bowl week, I was a Mac Jones skeptic. I thought it was more the unbelievable talent that he had around him that made Mac Jones rather than Mac Jones making the talent. But that switched during three days of senior bowl practices. What I saw during senior bowl basically turned me from a Mac Jones skeptic into a Mac Jones believer. And obviously it did for most of the league, especially the New England Patriots, who really for the past 20 years have been the franchise that develops quarterback after quarterback after quarterback. Kenny Pickett will likely have that opportunity uh, in a month and a half. We'll see if, uh, is it a month and a half? Actually, it's two months because the uh, senior bowl practice is beginning of February this year. We'll see if he, he, if he grabs hold of it and he, if he's able to pull off a Mac Jones from a year ago. And that's it for the 212th episode of the Draft Analyst, presented by Bet Online and the Believe Sports Podcast Network. Do you believe? If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe on any of the major podcast platforms and leave us a rating and a review. And feel free to ask us any questions and give any feedback you may have as well. We'll be back next week with more before bowl season kicks off on December 17th. But until then, on behalf of Tony Colleen, I'm Chris Tripodi. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.